Alright, so welcome everybody to another episode of Freedom Soul here. Today we have on our first guest, Conservatarian American. He is he runs a Instagram channel where he posts memes and also like infographics. Uh, it's one of my favorite political accounts. It's very well reasoned and just funny memes, great takes. So we are very happy to have him on. Definitely, I would recommend going and following him if you're anywhere on the uh, kind of conservative libertarian uh, scale, or if you're more left-wing, definitely go follow him because he's a very good representative of that position. So if you want to get some ideas. And uh, yeah, now Matthew yeah. will tell us about the episode outline. Yeah, so uh, we're in a, a largely, it'll be an interview with conservatarian and um, but uh, our our main topic will be um, the idea of like natural rights, positive versus negative liberties, how those relate with any laws that may support or go against it. You know, just how all that works theoretically in our minds. All right. So my first uh, my first question is. What are your like favorite and least favorite politicians? Doesn't have to be a specific number. Um, what do you mean by favorite and le least favorite? Like names? Um, yeah. If no, no, no. yeah, like yeah, like policy positions and stuff. Political positions or politicians themselves, like. No, yeah, the politicians themselves. Um, in the Senate, probably my favorite senators are. Uh, Rand Paul and Mike Lee, and when I look at politicians in general, I don't usually look at their personalities um, because that's not why we pick them for their job. We pick them for their job for their stances and what policies they want to push. And those two, I feel, are the most representative of my views. They're not perfect in any sense, and I doubt um, there's anyone who's really perfect, especially in Washington, to represent my views. But in the Senate, I definitely say those two. In the House, um, Thomas Massey is definitely one of them. Um, there, there are a few more, but they're not coming to mind. There was, there's one woman who just got elected into um, by Wyoming. Oh no, this in the Senate. That's in the Senate, not the House. But she seems to look um, pretty good. But I don't remember her name because she's new to also be part of that um, libertarian conservative or conservatarian mindset um, other other than that um, there's not really many people that I like there are certain people who have certain positions that I like on both sides of the aisle but they're not as consistent as the other people okay yeah Matthew, do you want me to go next? You want to go? Yeah, you should go next. Alright, so I'll just do my, this is my second, last question. This one's a little bit more uh, in-depth, I guess. So, uh, you've done these On the Issues posts. I've loved them, actually. pretty much agree with at least like 90% of that stuff. Um, but I was wondering, what do you think is a good path forward to actually achieving those things? Do you think there is a path forward, and if so, what is it? Well, the path forward, and it depends on the 
issue that you're talking about. I've made a few posts. One is for fiscal responsibility, one's for gun rights, and the one that I just put forward is healthcare reform. Um, as for getting those passed, I think they're all viable to get passed. The hardest thing probably to get passed that I posted in the on the issue section would probably be um, the fiscal reform um, just because it's basically bipartisan, bipartisan um, support for these omnibus packages um, that pass basically every year where the Speaker of the House, whether it's a Democrat or Republican, puts together these giant spending pa packages um, and puts them forward to the Congress to vote on it and they don't even most of the time have time to even read the bill because it's so big and they have so little time to read it that they just um, blanket sign it because if they don't then it holds up the government you get into a government shutdown which is um, politically unpopular but nonetheless it's something that has to get tackled because the current fiscal situation in the United States is not sustainable and it will give at one point or another and the longer that it takes for us to live within our means we're prolonging kicking the can down the road to a point where we will be forced to live beneath our means as for the gun post I made um, that's largely realistic because most of the um, policies um, that are viable, the gun laws that you do need that don't, in my mind, infringe upon the Second Amendment are already law. You can take away someone's rights after they've committed a crime um, through due process, that's already law. And you could take away certain of their rights through also through um, due process. That's in the Constitution. That's already law. So on that front, the only goal is holding back the water, holding back the flood of gun control um, sentiment, politicians, um, and laws. And I and I don't and I see that to be a pretty solid front. Not to say that in the near future there won't be threats on that front, but I do see that as not a hard front to win. Um, healthcare reform is a tough one because uh, with the free market policies I've outlined because the Democrats have done a phenomenal job of marketing their um, their solution to that problem and their solution would on its face make the issue much worse because it's basically just a outgrowth of the status quo solution that we've had for decades in this country of throwing more money at the problem just at a much bigger and grander scale but they've done a very good job at making that their big issue um, by polling data it's the most important issue among Democrats it's one of the most important issues among independents and up until recently it was one of the chief issues of Republicans but straying away from Republicans but if you ask someone on the street who's not um, as politically focused as maybe someone like you or, you or I, someone who doesn't pay much attention to politics, if you ask them what the Democrat policy is to fix the healthcare system, which everyone knows is 
the healthcare system is broken in this country. They will tell you their solution. If you ask them what the right wing or free market solution is for from Republicans and Libertarians, they will say that they don't know or it's to just keep it the same. And that is a big issue that I see on the right. Um, there are several policies, there are several political fronts where we aren't fighting and we need to start fighting because it's turning into a Democrat monopoly to the point where despite them having um, what I would call damaging um, da damaging platforms on the fronts of health care on environment their solutions are the only ones anyone's seeing and therefore they're becoming popular so what the right has to do is actually fight on those fronts of, envir of environmental protections fight on the fronts of health care reform fight on the fronts of even areas where we haven't even fought in the past like where when it comes to drug reform uh, recreational drug reform ending the war on drugs the decrease of government in other areas that we haven't pursued in the, in the past in order to remain competitive and the Republican Party needs to get more competitive especially on the federal front where it is declining in order to get these things passed yeah definitely yeah. well that was all the questions I had I appreciate that answer that was really good actually yeah uh, so I'll turn it over to Matthew now yeah, I definitely think you're right about the uh, their ideas getting out more with like universal health care or something. Especially uh, the free market ideas when it comes to like bailouts and just like uh, kind of supporting businesses, like the government like trying to like support businesses. I feel like not enough Republicans kind of call out that kind of unholy relationship of the uh, government and businesses, you know, where they kind of get money, but not through, um, not in a way that reflects their performance, really, or if it does, in an inverse way, like if they're just inefficient, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah which is why, just that on credibility, the Republican Party as a whole has done a real bad job. They've gotten th many things passed recently that I've liked in the last four years, but they have also done a few things which um, are hypocritical to what they said four to eight years ago. Like when Obama was president, they were um, very fiscally conservative. They basically preached what was right and I think at the time they believed it but then when it they got power they didn't enforce it with um, holding Trump accountable when it came to the budget and and spending when Obama did it there were these giant outcries and when Trump did it there weren't um, I think they should have stayed cons consistent on that front they should have held it, um, their own party's feet to the fire and gotten done what they had to do um, concerning fiscal responsibility because now that Biden's president I have a feeling that they're going to go back to that 
um, go back into that mode where they're like spending, spending, spending. And while I might agree with that, it's not going to have the same effect as it did before because when Trump was president, they didn't care. Um, so I think that's very important because now, now they're on the record voting for these bailouts They're on when they wouldn't before. They're on the record passing these subsidies. They're on the record doing all these things just because they're, they want to retain power when they should have remained consistent and done what was correct, the correct policy, um, instead of what was popular, which I think is going to um, result in their detriment um, yeah, this time the, around. Yeah, going with the ends justify the means is always like super attractive in the short term, but it, it bites you in the back in the end. Yeah. And going back to what you were saying earlier, I think one thing with the right-wing positions not being as publicized, people see, okay, the Democrats have these sweeping plans, you know, trillions of dollars in these plans, and they see, okay, that's something, even if it's not a good plan, like, they see, okay, that's a plan, and then they see on the right-wing, the solution is, like, essentially just, you know, doing very little or nothing, and even though, like, bringing out government funding should actually make them uh, should actually solve a lot of problems. I think they see more money as a better solution, and they see less money as just like no solution at all. At all, and I think that marketing needs to be better at showing like, okay, this is actually a solution, even though it's not a money solution, and not just that, you're actually going to be paying less taxes too. Yeah, um, and another thing about that is the. One reason that the Republican Party doesn't really cover it as much is because they have their own um, constituencies that they represent, um, where in later, in more recent years, those issues have strayed away from their constituency. So Republican voters in the earlier 2000s, like 2002, around 2010, I'd say, um, Healthcare was one of their highest issues that they considered when they voted in primaries in the general election. Now, I don't even believe healthcare is within the top five for Republicans. On the Democrats, on the Democrat side of the aisle, I believe healthcare has remained the top issue from then until now. For independents, it's always been within, I believe, the top three, if I remember correctly. So, one reason that the Republican Party isn't talking about as much is because their constituents who vote for them aren't really demanding it um, as much so they don't feel like they have to cover it as much but it is resulting in a democrat monopoly where the only plan that you hear is their plan and therefore many people assume that it is the correct plan which is incorrect obviously but while we know that everyone else who doesn't hear the alternative and doesn't even know the alternative exists does not know that so, and they're going to go off the assumption that, as you said, more money does result in better results. But what they don't know is if you look at sectors where the government um, has more influence, where the government hand is more prevalent, the cost of those industries in the private market, when the, when the market turns corporatist, so it's half private, half government, such as higher education, such as healthcare, um, the price of those sectors explode 
and they go to astronomical levels. And not only that, but the results get worse and worse. When you look at education in general, not just higher education, but um, pre-K uh, pre through 12th grade, lower education, we've blown out spending from now compared to 1960, yet our results have stayed basically the same. Um, on the front of health care, uh, either a plurality or a majority of Americans believe that the United States today spends less of a percentage or amount with inflation compared to 1960 on health care, when in reality it's not true. We're spending much more in government, both nominally, percentagely, uh, in percentage adjusted with inflation compared to 1960. And what's happened with the results? They've gotten much worse, not better. So I think we have to fight on these fronts that we aren't currently fighting because guess what? If we forfeit, we we lose by default. So we have to remain prevalent on all fronts and get the message out there in order to stay relevant. Yep. And I don't want to stay here too long because I know Matthew has questions, but I think one thing you said was really key. You said that uh, Republicans, their bases don't really care about uh, they don't really care about health care, so they're not talking about that. But you have that's like totally the wrong mindset in my point uh, from my point of view because you have to be ahead of the curve. You have to be going out to get other people who aren't voting for you. Like you're, the people who are going to vote for you are already going to vote for you, and you may gain some, lose some from year to year. But the way that you stay relevant is thinking about okay, how can I keep my same positions but market better and keep you know getting other people in. And so I think. That's something that I, mean, I think the Republican Party is really bad in that, and a lot of edit that in a lot of areas. That's something that they yeah. consider a lot. Well, it is a huge strategical error to do so because if you take into account that the biggest issue among Democrats and left-leaning independents is health care, if you are in power, you should not only provide what your constituency demands; those issues you should get those done, obviously, but you should also tear the ground from under the Democrats. If you solve the health care issue, if you bring down prices dramatically in health care through your free market platform to the point where the issue isn't as big of an issue, then what are they going to vote for if there's not an issue to fight against? They'll never win another election. Except well, they'll have, to, they'll have to update their thing, but guess what? You're not going to have politicians fighting for universal health care if you fix the health care system. The best way to fight against universal health care is to fix the health care system. Because they, they're not going to push for it and get it passed if there's nothing wrong. So it's a huge strategic flaw. Yeah. Assuming that your idea is right, then just circulating it enough should be effective. You shouldn't have to really like coerce people into it if it actually works. Yes. Right. All right, well, I guess we've been on this for a while, so maybe Matthew, maybe we should let Matthew get to his questions. Yeah. Yeah, so what do you think about the uh, the American Libertarian Party? Is it just a joke? Or, like, should, um, you know, is, is it a better option to try to make the Republican Party more libertarian? Especially when it comes to, like, 
because I, I feel like libertarians more soundly know about like free market solutions to most things and republicans it's kind of a mixed bag they might be a little kind of I think you said corporatist some of them yeah well that's both parties but yes yeah is it like what do you think about the status of the libertarian party is it like a good option maybe when it comes to like voting or should you vote for a more like libertarian republican yeah no I really like that that question um it's a several layered question but yeah um for in that regard th with the libertarian party i think it's a joke but i think it's a strategical joke if that makes <laughs> sense um <laughs> it's a strategical meme so as for third parties in general although on their face they don't really work in the political system especially on the presidential lo level because of the electoral college and how it's a winner-take-all system um, regarding with the states um, but as um, a point in strategy I live in a blue state I live in a deep blue state so my vote does not actually on its face matter um, if it gets closer I'll start voting for who I believe is the lesser of evils but um, as I see it right now, there's no point of me actually voting for any anyone if in order to get them elected. It's only as a message right now. So in the 2020 election, I voted for Joe Jorgensen. Her vote, my vote for her was more valuable than my vote would have been for Trump, in my view, because Trump wasn't going to win my state. But if I voted for Jorgensen, she got to the five percent threshold. Threshold, she'd get FEC funding. So there was actually a goal there. Donald Trump wasn't going to win my state in a million years. Um, also, the strat uh, I don't I do not um, I I don't concede to the people who say that voting for a third party is a throwaway of your vote, especially if you live in a non-competitive state like I do. If you live in a competitive state, maybe it is. If um, you believe there's actually something at stake which increasingly is the case because we keep throwing more power to the federal government but um, I'd say voting for third party in protest of the two main parties is more viable than not voting at all because if you look at if you're a politician you're looking at the like a chart of how many people vote for one party how many people vote for another how many people vote for the third parties and then people who don't vote you don't know what percentage of the people who don't vote are willing to vote and willing to stay in line and actually cast a ballot. You do know, looking at third-party voters, um, that they're willing to go out and vote. You just have to um, cater more to their political interests in order to get their vote. So I think that there is a um, there is a reason to vote for third parties in protest because it shows people in power that there are people willing to vote but that are not represented by the current party platforms. Um, as for the actual path to a more free society and libertarian governance, um, I do believe the best path forward for libertarians is to become more dominant within the Republican Party. I do believe that the Republican Party to remain viable has to move towards a more libertarian um, platform 
just just with the way national politics are is evolving um but in short yes the best path forward for the united states if it is going to reach a more libertarian society more free society um is by libertarians um pretty much trying to do what bernie sanders did to the republican party um a by high by party? huh do you mean democratic party yeah, what Bernie Sanders did to the Democrat Party. Libertarians need to hijack the Republican Party, just how Bernie Sanders hijacked the um, Democrat Party. And until that, ha and when that happens, I believe there is going to be a huge political realignment within the country. Yeah, that's, I would yeah. really agree with that. That's pretty Sixty-two percent of the general public wants a third party, but on its face, a third party it w won't really work. Unless we have ranked choice voting come in or something. It's not yeah, without happen. huge election reform, which won't happen. Yeah. I mean, it would have to happen through the two parties that exist. And why would they it would that? have to happen. Yes, the, the establishment would have to vote for its own demolition, which is not going yep. to happen. I will say one thing, though. Uh, you were talking at a federal level, which is, you know, probably the most important. But I think uh, state uh, delegates, uh, senators and stuff, that is... A much more viable way to elect third-party people. You're not going to get a lot, but depending on what county you live in, it's much, much more possible, in my opinion. Yes, L. Yes, it does also depend on your state, on the politics of your state. Um, somewhere like New Hampshire, New Hampshire um, will elect m New Hampshire and Maine, um, also Alaska, um, vote for more third parties in comparison to other um, states. That's just the his historical fact. Um, same thing with Vermont. Vermont actually has three parties within its state house and well it's the third party's very left-leaning in the state house and caucuses with the Democrats but it's a third party. Um, but I think it's still more viable for Liberty-minded people, libertarians, um, anarchists, any anything under that um, sector, to run. A, it's much more effective to run as a Republican, and stuff like Young Americans for Liberty. That's that's what they focus on. They focus on getting people elected to state houses because I I forget the exact number, but a big number of people who get elected to federal offices. Um, start out in state offices, state held offices. Mm -hmm. So that's why they focus on that, which I totally support and I think is the way to move forward. Yeah. Yeah, uh, oh, go ahead. yeah I think especially uh, when it comes to like recreational drug use and possibly environmental regulation of some kind, is definitely probably a smart play for the Republican Party, um, just for its own success alone. And then, you know, hopefully it, it goes kind of towards libertarian positions in other ways, but in terms of just succeeding, for succeeding alone, I think it is definitely smart if they start changing those two areas, specifically. Yeah. Yeah. 
and I am hopeful. I made a post um, pretty much right after the results for the election got finalized, so we knew all. So we knew about the exit polling data in certain states um, and federally. And the 2020 election, while Donald Trump did lose, and we got Joe Biden in in the White House now, I did see a huge. Um, huge potential mm -hmm. um, going off the fact of the exit po polling for a second for one um, on foreign policy I do like where the Republicans are going compared to four years ago in 2012 or eight years ago in 2012 when Romney um, and before that McCain and before that Bush even though Bush ran on um, non-intervention 2000 he became a neocon president um, I like how they're moving away from neocon foreign policy, uh, even though Trump Trump didn't get us into any new wars, he didn't um, get us out of any. But I do like where they're going on that, and with the exit polling data we've seen, compared to 2016, Trump improved in every demographic ex except for white males by like 0.1%. He improved in every demographic, not per capita, but percent, which is what actually matters. Because you're gonna uh, for in four years you're gonna improve in every um, category per capita because more people vote every election because population growth more people can vote that's just a default but percentage wise he did over improve in every single um, demographic except for white males and if you have that that um, performance along with um, the sectors Mitt Romney did well in with white um, educated people like people who got um, a college degree if you have those people and you use that as not a platform to stand on but a platform to build on and you work into those communities especially in the city by running on um, ending the drug war um, fixing the inner cities which Democrats have had a monopoly on for I can't remember how long it's been so long and they haven't been showing results if you run on that platform um, you will easily have a majority party you will easily have a majority party that's why I'm hopeful yeah and I think something I saw I remember that post the, there were some serious increases but still you look at some of these minority numbers and they're down at like you know 15 percent and I'm not gonna say that you know all these minorities are gonna be voting 60 percent Republican soon but there's no reason that we can't get them up to 30, 40%. Like, there shouldn't be any demographic, I don't think, that that can't, like, be within, like, within reason of 50%. So I think that that's definitely something to work on. Yeah, well, um, yeah, I, I don't see um, African Americans in particular. You could probably, within the next couple decades, get, like, a majority of the Hispanic vote if you really, if the Republican Party really worked for it because they're a lot closer with yeah. um, his, in that regard to Hispanics than African Americans by exit polling data but it's not it's also not even just um, issues themselves a lot of the times and, and they did do it more this time around Republicans didn't even go into the inner cities they didn't talk to those people so um, you don't have you don't have them hearing these messages you don't have the the, you only have, um, like, in districts like AOCs or um, 
you have like Jerry Nadler, just those Democrats, where uh, in Nancy Pelosi's words, you put a glass of water, put the Democrat D logo on it, and it'll get elected. Those they're not competitive districts, and since they're not competitive districts strategically, you could say that it is a waste to use resources in those districts, like what the Democrats did in the Senate in like the South Carolina Senate race, where they spent the where that uh, the Democrat running for Senate in South Carolina against Lindsey Graham's um, actually raised the most money, I believe, in history for a Senate cam campaign, and then lost by ten points, but. Um, if you don't run, if you if you don't actually make an effort anywhere, don't be surprised when your me your message isn't received. Yeah. So it's not a surprise. Yeah, I think there's three steps when you're getting a group of people. You got to hear what they're interested in, then you got to figure out you know what if that fits in with what you're trying to do, and what if that can you fit in with what you're trying to do and get it accomplished and then you got to tell them that you've actually done it yeah and, and um when it comes frankly, to republicans have been kind of bad at all three of those steps oh yeah yeah, yeah it, it's political malpractice but um and as for people in the inner city especially african americans in the inner city but also whites in the inner city who do still vote um it, it's much more of an area thing than a race thing but the people in these places, they don't necessarily, from from my personal experience, they don't necessarily like Repu uh, like Democrats, many of them, but they definitely don't believe that Republicans right now are a good replacement because they don't think Republicans care. They don't really hear from Republicans. Rep mm -hmm. Republicans don't go into their district. They don't really campaign there. Um, so they feel very, they, 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 they're basically looking for hope. They don't have hope in the current political um, environment. And you're going to, and if the Republicans can adapt their platform so and their strategy so it becomes uh, more received in those areas, you're going to have a dispossessed population who is starving for hope I, and I, I believe very strongly that that message will be successful if you just have to make it you just have to push and there's a lot of people who think that that can't happen just because of the, the vast numbers and I'm not saying you have to get a majority but look if we if you get to the point where it's 30 70 Democrats can't get elected. If you get 30% of the African-American vote, um, Republicans win places like that used to be competitive that aren't competitive anymore. They win places like Colorado. They win, they, you definitely would have won Georgia with those numbers mm -hmm. in 2020. You definitely would have won Arizona with those numbers. You definitely would have won Wisconsin with those numbers. Virginia, um, I think. Stuff like that. But... Yeah, Virginia would have be, been more competitive. Virginia yeah. in 2016, you definitely would have won. Yeah. It'd be a total game changer. Yeah, it would be a complete game changer, um, because just by crunching those numbers, you become an easy majority party. You replace the woke coalition, which Obama built, with the base coalition, which is what the post I made was about. Yeah. yeah. Now, Matthew, did you have a you have a, you had another question? I think. 
Eh, not a really good one. We could just go on. Okay. Well, then, okay. Yeah. Uh, do you, Matthew, you want to start us off? Or you, you have something to say about this, about rights? Yeah. So to, so to start off our uh, kind of theory section, um, I guess I'll start with asking conservatarian. What, uh, uh, what is the relationship between um, uh, natural rights? Well, I guess first of all, could you define like just a natural right, and also how is it affected by the rulings and decisions of people in government or in, I guess, really any kind of organization that maintains itself uh, ultimately through force, but, uh, you know, can rights be, like, taken away legitimately, illegitimately? Um, yeah, all that works. Kind of yeah, well, for, to define natural rights, um, natural rights are basically rights that are yours by existence. Now, you're not entitled to these rights, you just have them. They're natural. Um, if you look at the nat, like the, just the environment, you, you look at animals, what do animals have? Um, animals, they have the, the right to roam around. They have the right to, um, defend themselves. They have the right to basically, they do what they got to do to exist. Natural rights are, and natural rights in politics are the rights of, if you had to generalize them, life, liberty, and property. You have your territory, you have what you own, which is your territory, which is your property, yeah. Yeah, well, yes, it's the, it's not, you don't automatically get property, you have the right to own property and yeah. to acquire property. Because, well, it's a negative right, it's not a positive right, you don't get it, you have the opportunity. Which, will I know we'll get into that soon. But, you have, then, life, you have the right to live, um, and you have the right to be free. In a free society, um, which I believe the Constitution, Bill of Rights, Declaration of Independence outlined for the United States, the role of government and the what I perceive to be the most legitimate and the most moral role of government is to uphold, protect, and defend natural rights. In a society which does that, the only role of government is to protect those rights and in order, they cannot infringe upon those rights in order to protect them. So you have to not only defend, but you have to uphold. So can rights, can individual natural rights be taken away in that society? Yes, but not without due process. You can basically forfeit your rights if you infringe upon another person's rights. Um, in a free society where there is a, in a free society where there is a government. Um, you might 
argue, well, then shouldn't there be no government? And to that, I would say, if you have no government, um, basically human humans, we'll the way the human um, brain is built, um, we build hierarchies. Mm -hmm. So basically, if you get rid of a government, something will come into that vacuum to replace it. So if you um, say, look, I want ultimate freedom, so therefore I'm going to get rid of government, all you're going to do is open the pathway for a new government that you don't have control over to open up. That, that's what happens with anarchist movements. So you want a small government just to fill the vacuum. Yep, and you want, so, and if you're going to have a government there, um, it should be the most morally just government possible. And that is, as I've said, one that upholds and protects natural rights. But in order to not only uphold but protect them, if someone goes into your house and attempts to take your life, attempts to take your property, um, or tries to kidnap you and take your liberty, that person, um, by doing that, has forfeited their rights. And then through due process, they will um, suffer. They will suffer a punishment accordingly, whatever that might may be, um, within the within our constitution that would be um, the punishment would have to fall under the well it would have to not fall under I should say the cruel and unusual punishment clause but through due process while some people are for it some people are against it under due process you can have your life taken from you that's not an argument for or against the death penalty it's just that it's constitutional um, you can have your liberty taken away from you that's prison um, or you could have your property taken away with you. Um, that's 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 fines for certain crimes. That's also you could have um, stuff confiscated from you. Like if you bring a cannon up, I, I'd imagine if you took a cannon up to your neighbor's house and shot it at your neighbor's house, they'd confiscate the cannon. That would be a punishment. I'll give it so to the neighbor, really. fear, huh? I'll give it to the neighbor. Really, he deserves it. <laughs> yeah, yes, this is payment for your property damage. But um, in a free society, you can take away people's rights, but not without them doing something that infringes upon someone else's natural rights. Ideally, negative rights. That they're yes, yep. yes. Well, so, so, okay, good. Yeah, and I didn't really go over that because I didn't know if we were going to go over that in a, in, a, in like the next question or something. Yeah, we can get to that in a minute, I guess. Yeah. No, that was good, though. And I think one thing that... Uh, well, never mind, that's probably a little off topic. <laughs> I sh shouldn't get to that. I, you know, this is a... Obviously, it's a huge, huge topic. That there's lots of lots of little facets of, but... Yeah. Yeah, I think... Uh, yeah, there is this... Then there is this discussion, I guess, of positive and negative rights. Negative rights... Uh, well, natural rights are negative rights. Yeah. Uh, you could maybe come up with negative rights, I guess, that aren't natural rights. I'm not sure about that, but generally those are kind of in the same camp. Positive rights are things. They like, like if you say, okay, somebody has the right to property is a negative right, but they don't have the right to be given property. So you aren't born and like, okay, now you have an acre of land or whatever. That's that's a positive right. And the problem with positive rights that I see 
is whenever you have, and if this is basically, okay, you could probably look at rights from a lot of different perspectives, but if you're using like a liberty-based uh, right system, which is what we use, it's an enlightenment kind of thing. If you look life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, life, liberty, property, that kind of thing. Anyways, that's, if you use that, you can't infringe, your rights can't infringe on other people's rights. So if a right infringes on another right, then it, it's not actually a legitimate right. When you have a positive right, somebody has to provide that to you, and that infringes on their liberty to not provide something to you. And so that is how I see positive rights as not being a legitimate form of right. I don't know, you all probably have plenty to add to that. Negative rights can coexist, but uh, negative and positive can't always coexist. Of course, you could always say, um, playing devil's advocate a little here, that uh, too much acknowledgement of those natural negative rights um, could lead to making it possibly easier to then transgress against someone else's negative rights. Not that it inherently does, but maybe an example like gun rights. Like, you know, obviously it's kind of ridiculous for you to have like a negative, like, natural right for someone else not to potentially be armed, but then you could make the argument, uh, which I wouldn't probably agree with, but you know, if their natural right is recognized to a high degree, then you know, they could potentially much more efficiently transgress against you. So there is kind of that, the complicated, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, the, the main difference between negative and positive rights is negative rights, if you want to simplify them to the extreme, negative rights, uh, negative rights are liberties and positive rights are entitlements. If, and whether it's gun rights, health care, or property rights, you could put it in either way. A negative right, uh, negative rights are basically exemplified by the Constitution. Um, like the Second Amendment, the right to keep and bear arms, that's a negative right. You have the right to not have your stuff taken away from you and to own a gun. If that were a positive right, that would mean that the government would be giving everyone guns, which has only happened in one place in Georgia, which actually ended up being pretty effective, but I'm still in principle not against it. Um, a, well, you uh, want to so bad, but you can't. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah, in, there was this, I think this, either this municipality or this county in Georgia that made it, that required it, they didn't give everyone guns, but they required you to get guns, everyone had to have a gun and then like the murder rate like plummeted, like the, the crime rate just in general just plummeted, but um, I, I'm still not for that because you're forcing people to do stuff, negative rights, right. um, you impose a negative duty, yeah, a negative right, you um, impose a negative duty on others to not interfere and for a positive right which is an entitlement you impose a positive duty for people to provide or act in a certain way so a positive right so if you made health care a right um, if you want to as a government as many governments do recognize health care as a right and not a service what happens is you are forcing someone to 
um, use their time, their labor, um, pos and quite possibly their capital um, to give you health care in a which would trample on negative rights in basically every in basically every way for that other party who is providing you health care in that situation the also the other problem with positive rights is that decreeing so something a right like if I if I'm Michael Scott from the office and I say and I just declare bankruptcy you can't just declare bankruptcy you can't just declare rights um, the United States is one of the only countries in the world and the only um, industrialized um, first world nation without universal health care every other country every other major country I should say has a universal system that is either codified in law or in their constitution um, but codifying in law or constitution as a right does not make it more prevalent many constitutions um, and many of these governments recognize it but it doesn't their health care still sucks is basically yeah. the premise making something a right doesn't mean that it um, is going to be treated um, as I would say for lack of a better term the sanctity of how a right should be treated because there's scarcity you can't give people crap <laughs> if you if you have a right which um, says that you are entitled to these things but you do not have the incentives in place to produce those things then basically you're doing like what I said Michael Scott does declaring bankruptcy you are declaring a right that you are not prepared to dish out and you are also infringing on the rights of other people in order to dish out alright everybody that was the end of the first segment of our talk with conservatarian come back in a week or two for segment two if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or confessions, email them to AmericanPhilosophers at gmail.com.